Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Wednesday, everybody. Welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast, presented by Ingles, the official supermarket of Gramlick and McLean, and the official supermarket of Eric McLean's cooking <laughs> prowess. We're going to get to that. But we're back. We're back. We're starting our ACC under review series. So excited for this, Mac. Give the people a little preview of ACC under review. Come on, KG. Well, we did this last year, and it was very successful. You guys ate it up. Uh, viewership was fantastic. We're very grateful for you guys tuning in and being a part of this. And, and it was just fun to kind of sit back, talk with people who cover the program closely, mm-hmm. and go through these teams. And so we're doing it again. We're, we're kind of going under the microscope, looking at a lot of different angles. Um, and like I said, we, we've got people that's right that are fully immersed w- with these programs and either cover it, uh, massive fans, radio, writers, all, all the deal. You're going to have a heavy dose of this for – all 17 teams Come that on. are in this conference. Uh, so we're excited <laughs> to do that. Uh, we're on the lookout, actually. If you're listening to this and you're a fan of ACC football, we need some help with who covers Cal, who covers Stanford, who covers SMU. So if yeah, you have seriously. some favorites, drop it in the comments, drop it in the uh, the, the Twitter sphere for us because we've got to do some research and get it there. But we're starting with the Louisville Cardinals, and, and we're excited to get this thing cranked up. Uh, a, a dear friend, Jody Dimling, coming on with us. Have uh, been you know kind of connected with him through the grapevine of you know this just this ACC world and he was fantastic. It was a lot of fun, KG, kind of to hear all the different things from him, his perspective, and some things I didn't know. I didn't know he was that close with the Brom family. Right. So you'll, you'll get to hear a little bit about that as well. An it insider. We got an insider here. Basically, our thinking with this series is the person that we are going to have on for your team is someone that if you are a fan of that team you follow them on Twitter. Like it's a non-negotiable, that's right. That's right. you follow that person or that entity, whatever. So that's our plan. And with Jody, that is obvious for Louisville. Before we get to Jody, Mac, can you just give us a little preview? Because you have been grinding on the grill, man. You have been, gr- I've been seeing the content. I've been seeing the ribs. I've been seeing the chili. So tell me what's going on. I've been trying, you know, KG, because there, there's this like window of time, really the week before Thanksgiving, to like now, to, to the second week of the new year, where you just don't have time. You have no time. Oh, There's yeah. holidays, works at an all-time high, families coming to town, all these different these things. These children and you get we to have. Cook a little bit. Yeah, these children, my gosh. Uh, you know, the, 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 you have some time, and I, I got to do that, but it wasn't, not that it's not fun, but it's different. It's different yeah. when you're you're cooking with a purpose. This last week, I've been cooking with love oh, and just okay. for the fun. Just, just, just for me and Khaki Mac and any anybody who wants to roll in off the street, and I've been experimenting a little bit. Mm. Uh, we went to Ingles and I was browsing around and I saw this new chili mix. I'll post some pictures of that that you have to try. Uh, and never had used that before. It was killer. It was really good. And then of course the ribs, uh, man, one of my favorite things. And if you look at the the, the just butcher section of Ingles, it's out of this world. It's so good. It so all. fresh. They can make it for you. They can have the different cuts, anything you want. They do it right then and there, which is what I like because uh, it helps me out. It saves me some work on the front end that on the back end, I can be a little bit more creative. So we did a couple of different things. Our friends over at Seaside, they're not paying us, but mm, I'm going to give them a little we love. We love Seaside. I do love Seaside. Um, they have this peach barbecue that is just yes. killer. 
uh, when, when you mix it on the, on the ribs. So I kind of caramelized that on one. And then I did another one. It's this Japanese barbecue uh, that, that it, it was so different than anything I've ever done. It's not Southern barbecue. It's not Texas barbecue. It's like a sticky rib. If you've ever had that at a Japanese restaurant or, or, or Asian cuisine type thing. And it was killer. KG, it was so much fun. So you've got to go to Ingles for all that stuff, guys. They've got it going on. They're making it happen for you. Uh, and, and, of course, it's a little bit cold. Just knock the snow off your Traeger and get rolling. That's what we do here. But real quick, here's a message from our friends over at Ingles, and then we'll jump into this interview. Did you know Ingles only sells USDA choice and prime cuts of meat? Maybe it's time to reward yourself. Our butchers cut all our meat fresh in the store every day. Grass-fed, organic, you name it. Not only that, we'll even cut it to order just the way you like it. And we grind meat fresh in the store multiple times a day. It's all in the bag. That's the best meat in town for the best folks in town. Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. All right, guys, here we go. The first ever episode, ACC Under Review 23 edition. Uh, it's crazy. We keep rolling through these. Jody, we really appreciate you joining us today, brother, to talk about these Louisville Cardinals. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to uh, to get to chat with you guys, first of all. It's like uh, it's it's uh, it's one of the check marks off on my list to be on with you guys. Oh, come on. Come on. Well, we appreciate it. Checks in the mail, and we appreciate that. Um, but really, I, I just want to start with, you know, overarching thoughts. I mean, Coach Brom comes home. Everybody's jacked up. There's a little bit of expectation that started kind of creating, you know, in the offseason where you see a little bit of the, the the schedule and people are talking about, oh, this is favorable. We feel good. And then he rolls and he gets to an ACC championship. So year one with Coach Brom, how successful, how exciting, and, and kind of where was that for you? Well, I mean, it is kind of crazy that there are some fans that are disappointed because the way that ended, which I understand, I totally sure, get that because sure. it started so well. But when you really step back and you look at the whole picture from December the 4th last year when Scott Satterfield was still the coach at Louisville, that next morning everything kind of happened and then three days later Jeff Brom's the coach. From that time until the, the USC game, the end of the USC game, I don't think you could have imagined that it would have gone as well as it did. Now, with that said, I don't think people really realize that had this team not had a couple of key injuries, I, I, I think we're talking about a different, you know, we're talking about more than 10 wins. The way they had it rolling and the way they had things going, um, you know, and, and people talk about Jawar Jordan a lot and people talk about Jamari Thrash. Yeah, those two were huge for them. Uh, but Eric, you know as well as I do, offensive line is a key thing. And when Renato Brown went down in the Pittsburgh game, yeah. he got hurt. He tore his ACL yeah. in the pregame of the Pittsburgh game. I do think that that kind of changed the whole thing for the offense and, and a lot of the things that they were doing because those guys had played every snap together up front, and it just kind of mixed things up. But yeah, you can't take away, um, you know, even though you lost the, the last three games. And they lost to Kentucky, which a lot of people, that's the thats the one that, mm. that stings to most people. Um, you can't take away the, the big picture of, my goodness, they're in such a better place than they were uh, this time last year. Yeah, 10 wins. You can, can't ever take that away from this team. The pit game was so interesting. And you talk about a serious pregame injury. And then, of course, Jawar Jordan going out in that game. That'll rattle a team to, ha- to see that kind of pregame injury. And then, of course, the pit game was just kind of weird in so many ways. But... Overall, Jody, when you look at, because you're so locked into Louisville itself, 
Bringing Jeff Brom in, we saw the excitement firsthand, December, right? Even way before the season started, the excitement was there. How would you rate or describe the fan support this season, maybe compared to some previous seasons, and how do you think it's going to look going forward? Well, so they 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 totally bought in. They, they totally at the beginning. And and uh, uh, full disclosure, I actually played high school football with Jeff. We've been friends wow. for a long time. So I was one of, on. I was one yes. of the receivers back back in our day. He didn't throw the ball. He was ten. For, yeah. He was ten for ten in the state championship game. Okay, ten for ten in the state championship game. So like, why didn't you throw it twenty times? <laughs> he didn't throw it. Ten. So so wow. so again. So so I've I've known him in the family forever. And 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 look, they're such an integral part. It's the first football family, the, the the first football family of the city of Louisville. I mean, it's just been that yeah. way forever. You know, the dad Oscar and 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 Greg and and Brian and Jeff. It's just their sister Kim. You know, played multiple sports at at uh, at Spalding University here in town, and they're just that family. And because of that, when it when it finally happened, and when he finally became the head coach. Everybody bought in. Everybody came together as a fan base, the university, the, the athletic department, everything. I, I think the key was in everybody thought, okay, the first four games of the schedule, it's going to be jacked up. There's going to be people there. It's going to be excitement in that. They went to you know down to Atlanta and, and had a huge crowd. The key game was at NC State and, and Notre Dame, those back-to-back games because mm-hmm. – Everybody was bought in, and if you did well early on, those two games were going to tell you how much people really kind of move forward. And 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 nowadays, we're not just talking about fans in the stands; we're talking about NIL and, and and everything else. Sure, that game at NC State was huge to put them over the hump against a really good defense. And then when they came mm-hmm. back, they were undefeated, and that place was jam packed, and it was rocking against Notre Dame. That just kind of sent the message, I think, to everybody in the community that maybe hadn't bought in. I think most people had, but it's like, okay, this is real, and this guy's going to take us to a level where we haven't seen for a while since Bobby Petrino, uh, really Bobby Petrino number one, Charlie Strong, that kind of thing as far as on a national level. And uh, so I think it was those two games. Everybody was bought in. Everybody was super excited. And I think those two games just kind of flipped it over the edge to where it's not going to teeter back to the other way. It's going yeah, to stay this right. way, and people are going to stay bought in. Yeah, uh, I, I'm right there with you. And, and it was just – it was kind of like we needed to know just a little bit more about Louisville, right? There were still some question marks. And you're like, oh, okay, you see who you played. Uh, boom, Notre Dame, top ten at home. And the way that it happened were, – were you on the sideline? Where well, were you for the, that game? I was on the sideline for that game. So, yeah. I, so, I mean, how was it? It had to be just it, nuts. It really I can't was. even imagine. Um, you know, we were to a point, you know, and they did the whole Joker and the Thief thing at the beginning of the fourth quarter. People have seen it now on social media where the offensive line does the guitar and they the air guitar and they dance. At that point that night, I can't remember what the score was, but it, it was it was it was it was Louisville's favor and we and everything was looked like it was going to be fine. It was so loud in there that I go back to the Lamar game day day when they had uh, when when we played the Lamar had his Heisman moment against Florida State. Yeah. That was yeah. the loudest I've ever heard that place ever before. This was really the second loudest that I've ever heard it. And, and again, I don't think there's anything going to top that Lamar when he did that spin move and went into the end zone. I'm not sure anything is going to ever top that. But this was <laughs> as loud as I've ever heard it. Other than that, and. And yeah, it was it was crazy. That was the night when you left that night, and I remember 
Um, you know, I do the sidelines and, and I do the, the Jeff's interview after the game. So I went in there, he talked to the team and then he came into me and just, he had to like wait for a minute. Cause he just couldn't like, it was just, he was wow. so emotional and he was so jacked up that, um, you know, that was kind of the, that was kind of the night that like, okay, this is what we're going to do here is we're going to win games like this. Mm, that's, mm. that's really interesting mm. that he, so he kind of just had to compose himself for a second, right? Cause he was just on such a, a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, like I said, it was just such a crazy night and everything that happened and, and, you know, they had a ton of recruits as we talk about moving forward. I know it's not really as much about high school recruiting anymore with some <laughs> programs, but you still have to have that. And they had a ton of recruits that were there. Um, you know, they just, it, it was the big stage. And so mm. many times this Louisville program um, towards the end of the Bobby Petrino era, the second time and for Scott Satterfield, so many times, you had that opportunity to be on that big stage and they didn't come through, you know, it just didn't happen. And now this was the time that it did come through and, and, and Jeff Brown being the coach, I think really put it over the edge. Okay, Jody, I hate to do this. Then yeah. the next week, <laughs> the game <laughs> at Pitt, we referenced it earlier. Yeah. This is, this is college football, right? Th this is what happens in college football and why it's the best theater because you just have no idea what's going to happen. From your estimation, what happened up at Pittsburgh? You talked about some of the injuries, but tell us more about that game. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, Jawar Jordan and Jamari Thresh both were like that week. It was kind of like, are they going to play? And it's like, what? Did they get hurt? You know what I mean? Because it was one of those things where the Notre Dame game was was such a euphoric moment and they had such a lead at the end. Those guys didn't. You know, yeah. nobody knew Thrash really got hurt at the time, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And right. so it was one of those, are they going to play? And it's kind of like, oh, man, this is OK. Maybe we can get by this week with Pitt because it is Pitt. But then you knew you're going to that. You're going up to there. Well, then you throw <laughs> so a, true. It's so true. You throw on top of it that it was raining that night. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it was, it was, it was a rainy, yeah. horrible night. Um, You know, you get there in warm ups and, and Jordan's going through warm ups. And I'm thinking, oh, OK, like. He's going to play. If, if if he plays, I think they're going to be okay. Well, then you look over and there's somebody laying on the ground and it's Renato Brown on the ground. And right during warm, you know, right in the middle, it was about, I guess, about 17 or 18 minutes before before kickoff. And, and he got hurt. So I think everything just kind of compounded. And I do think there was a little bit, it had been such a stretch, Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College, you know, NC State, and then Notre Dame. It was such a run that I do think there was a little bit of a, I guess a little bit of a letdown you could call it from, from the guys of like, it was almost exhaustion and they were worn out. They were really banged up at the time. And it was just a, it was just one of those, everything led together uh, to, uh, to really kind of be just that awful night for them. And uh, I remember after the game, as, as great as he was the week before the interview after that game, wasn't fun uh, to do with, uh, with coach from. So, <laughs> Uh, but again, it was just it was a lot of things that added up to that. And uh, but they were correctable things. And that's what I think you saw from the staff is they corrected some of the things. And then, you know, after the bye week, they really kind of got going again. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I think, KG, you hit it on the head. I mean, the, the, the fact that those two things can coexist within 14 days is just why college football is the best, because you just have no clue. You have no idea. And, and any given you know, Saturday, something can happen. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about young men uh, and, and circumstances and all these different things of, of 
you know, just playing this game and, and who knows what can happen. So it is bizarre. Let's look at the defense a little bit. I know we're, we're offensive people. Right. We like to score points. Yeah. We like to move the ball. Uh, but this defense was really fun this year as well. And and I, I am interested to see, I guess, con- how it will continue to evolve and how will it continue to, you know, become the 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 Brom era, if you will. And and I'm looking at these numbers and the top seven sack leaders for the team were on the defensive line. That's a little unique, yeah, you know, because a lot of people are blitzing, they're sending linebackers, you know, things of this nature. But Louisville really let their front four, front three, however, you know, the front that they threw out there, they let them hunt. Uh, do, do you expect to see more of that? I know Ashton's coming back, which he was electric, you know, for this team and, and had 11 sacks this season. H- how do you see that kind of being altered and, you know, what you did see from this past 23 season? Well, I think the one thing about this defense that is that's good moving forward is that the linebackers, the linebackers, we all know, they're so key. The linebackers were so inexperienced and so young. I mean, everybody remembers Jalen Alderman made a pick six to end the Central Florida, the UCF game a few years ago, and it was like everybody thinks, okay, well, other than that, Jalen Alderman hadn't played a whole lot. He was in there because Monty Montgomery had gotten hurt on the previous play. So there was a lot of inexperience with the linebacker group. So I think they had to kind of, uh, they they kind of had to piecemeal things on defense a little more than maybe what they want to moving forward. I think you'll see more from the linebackers. I think you'll see the defense still the defensive front still do that. Ashton Gelati's coming back. Mason Riger's a guy who is really kind of under the radar. He's all he's a, been a walk on, and he's a guy that really kind of was hurt this year to begin the season. I think he missed the first four games of the year, uh, and still right. ended up having a pretty good year. So he's back. And then in the middle, those guys, Jermaine Lolay, I thought, he, he's not a guy who's going to get a ton of stats, but I thought he made a big difference. He made a big impact in the middle, just being that big physical kind of guy at times, along with Des Tell and Jared Dawson. All those guys are coming back. You know, Lolay's got, I think it's like his ninth year. Now, it seems like he's been hurt several times, but um, <laughs> he, this is his third year here at Louisville. If, if he's, he's requested an injury waiver, which they think he should be able to get it, it would be his third year at Louisville, and when he came to Louisville from Arizona State, they said he's got one year oh. left. So it's like it's it's, uh, it's one of those things. So, the gift that keeps on giving, yeah, baby. It, Come it on. Is. Well, you know, you've got um, you've just got a lot of guys up front, and I think Mark Hagan, the defensive line coach, and Ron English, the coordinator, I think they they made a concerted effort really in fall camp. Actually, back go back to spring camp last year when they saw that. They had Ashton Gelati, and they knew he was really, really talented. Other than that, they had a bunch of guys who were all above average, a ball pretty good, and they're like, you know what? Let's just kind of roll with all these guys. And they really rotated guys in and out of there. I mean, there was one game in the – I can't remember. If it, I think it might have been Boston College game where they used 14 different defensive wow. linemen in the first quarter. And in first quarter, you know, so they were just rolling guys in and out of there. And I think that that really helped. Now, with all of that said, when you have Quincy Riley and you have Jarvis Brownlee on the at the corners, and you've got guys that can cover like those two guys can, that's what really kind of puts things forward. That that really kind of helped right. everybody, especially the the upfront guys. No, for sure. And I know we're kind of alluding towards next year, and we're going to get to that because Jeff Brown's putting together an, another incredible portal class, and he's really embraced that. Just to wrap up kind of the 23 season, when you look at the last three games, first of all, the Miami win was a great win on the road. And then, of course, you have the Kentucky game, some turnovers, some kick returns. Florida State, 
and then Southern Cal. What do you think, what, what would you say were the biggest reason why Louisville um, lost those three games and ended the season on a lower note? Crazy thing is that stat of the first quarter, 104 to 28. They outscored opponents in the mm. first quarter. And up until the Miami, uh, so after the Miami game, it was like 96 to 7 or something like that. So it was all kind of late in the season. And I think, um, you know, when when Jawar Jordan and Jamari Thrash went out, neither one of them, and neither one of them played in the bowl game because they both opted out, neither one of them got back to full strength. You know, Jawar Jordan actually ended up having to have some knee surgery to clean up some things in his knee. They never got back to full strength. And I think when you can, when you look at those two guys and you throw Renato Brown in there, which a lot of people forget, this is a team that Coach Brom said from the beginning, we can be pretty good, but we don't have a ton of depth. And I think that the depth came into a factor late in the season. Um, if they've got just one of those guys, Jordan or Thrash, if they've got one of them, I think they win one of the last three games at least. Uh, you know, they're at least they're they're right there and probably look better in the last three games offensively than than what they did. You know, and and for what Jack Plummer, look, Jack Plummer caught a lot of grief from the fan base uh, towards the end of the season, and I'm like, look, this guy won ten games for it. You know, this guy won ten games. Yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't play. He didn't play as bad. You know, he played a great second half against Miami. And that's why they won the Miami game. He was really good in that second half. Against Kentucky, he had some ups and downs. He didn't play well at all against Florida State or against USC. And that's what really kind of I think that's what it was. It was it was the inconsistency at quarterback play and the injuries yeah. that really got them, uh, you know, at the end. Right. And it's just it, it's unfortunate, but that that's what people remember, right? What have you done lately? And uh, you know, to to everything that you said, how you started this conversation of, of how great of a year it, it's been. And, you know, there's no way that we would have thought that, you know, we'd be in this situation back in December, you know, December 4th, a, a year ago. So I'm right there with you. And, and I did, I did want to touch one more thing on coach Brown before we, you know, kind of forward face a little bit here and, and look at 24, just because of your relationship with him and, and knowing the family and, you know, being a part of, of, you know, that group for so long and have been as close as you have. Uh, how about the pressure that he's felt, man? You know, to to come home when he decided to do that, and then the pressure to win because he's talked to us a little bit. And I don't want you, to, you know, telling trade secrets right. or anything of that nature. But I have to imagine that there are times where it's a bit insurmountable, and you're just like, this is the 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 world, the Louisville world is on his shoulders to be successful, and I'm sure that's that's tough at times. Yeah, I think it. I, I tell you what, I really think you. Leading up to game one, and honestly, I think game one might have been the most difficult game of all. And I think it is for a lot of coaches in their first job, maybe more so for him. And the fact that they were down, what, 16, 17 points in the first half at halftime of the first game. Dude, it was bad. And, and it was bad. I was looking it, around like, uh -oh, <laughs> I know. And it's, it's <laughs> you look, I, I never forget, like, I was like, I would never get near. I was like, Glad I don't have to do a halftime interview like some of these reporters, sideline reporters do, because he doesn't look like he's having fun. And and just the the look of him walking out after second after to the second half of that Georgia Tech game, you could see the pressure. You mm. could tell there was a lot of pressure on him. And I do think that it it brings a lot of um I think that's part of the reason why when Scott Satterfield got the job at Louisville, it wasn't Jeff Brom then. I think he just 
wonderful. Right. You know, there were a lot of things that were in play at that time, and he had just gotten to Purdue, and he had a lot of those recruits that he had said, and he was very, you know, honored that commitment to, to those guys. But I think a little bit of it, too, was he knew he knew what this job entailed, and he wanted to do it at the right time. And I think that this was the right time, but there's still a lot of pressure. And there's a lot of pressure moving forward. Hey, now you won 10 wins in your first game. What are you going right. to do in, in, your, in your first year? What are you gonna Go do get 11, baby. Go get 11. Exactly. <laughs> you got the ACC championship game. You got to get back, right? So Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. true. And I think, exactly. I mean, thinking back, Satterfield had a really good first year. And then that set up some pressure as well. But – I think a lot of it's internal pressure just because he loves Louisville so much and he, he wants to do right by Louisville. So let's let's talk about 24, uh, year two for Jeff Brom. Number one portal class in the country, according to multiple sources right now. So that's big for Louisville. I want to talk about some of these guys that they're bringing in, Lacey, Boone, uh, Griffith, excited about them. But let's start with the quarterback, Tyler Shuck, who will turn 25 in September. Uh, that's great. He spent three seasons at Oregon, three seasons at Texas Tech. He's only played in 30 career games. He's had a lot of injuries. Um, so, yeah. Jody, what's your read on this situation? Do you feel like he has a good um, re- kind of line to be the starter? What's the deal with yeah. the quarterback room right now? So, the crazy thing about Tyler Shuck is, I, what was when was the ACC championship game was on December 2nd. Mm-hmm. I believe it's December 2nd. Yeah. I think he was on campus December. 4th. Wow! You know they, they didn't waste wow. they didn't waste any time, and I think he committed December fifth. He was on campus the first day that you were allowed to bring kid guys in, wow. and the next day he was already committed. Um, wow! They they went after and they looked at you know a bunch of other quarterbacks, and they reached out and they kind of did, but but when you've got Jeff Brom and Brian Brom, and they both say that I like this guy, mm-hmm. they're going to take that guy. You know what I mean? Like and Tyler was a guy that they both really liked and they both feel like he's got a lot of potential. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, he stays healthy. Right. He hasn't to this point. I think that's the biggest question with him. Now, you look at the quarterback room without him. Look, they played nine quarterbacks against Murray State uh, back in the day. Like, that's like, – first of all, I've, I always forget, and of all the stats <laughs> and of all the things that happened this year that are positive and con- – that might be the weirdest, wildest that's thing of, of, of all. Like nine that you even have that many quarterbacks on the roster starters. Exactly. That's well, it, it was funny just in this off topic, but just for the, we, I was in the press box looking out at them warming up. We were trying to figure out for, uh, for USC at the holiday bowl, like who's going to be their backup. Right. And even their radio guys were like, well, we, we're not sure we have. They, <laughs> so we look out there and USC has got quarterback and two walk-ons out down there throwing. They've got three guys and Louisville's got 10. <laughs> it's like, what is going on here? So, <laughs> uh, but it's but you know when you look back and 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 Harrison Bailey has started games at Tennessee and is they really like what they've got in Harrison Bailey. Um, he's in that room. Pierce Clarkson uh, obviously is a highly regarded high school prospect who came in uh, last year and is and has been uh, uh, kind of they think he'll be kind of take that step this year and hopefully battle for the job, you know, in the spring. And then Brady Allen is the backup was their backup at Purdue uh, and, and, and transferred here to Louisville as well. So you've got guys in that room <clears throat> to compete with Tyler, to push Tyler and see what it is. If I had to guess right now, yeah, Tyler Shuck's going to be the starting quarterback for Louisville next year, mm. but I wouldn't put it past, wow. uh, you know, Harrison Bailey or Pierce Clarkson to really push them. And, and, and that's where, uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be a fun a fun thing to see. Yeah, that, that's 
That's fascinating. Just to to look at those names and and to see their, you know, where they've been, how they've done it. This, you know, answer this however you want. What what do you think would be of the best interest or best for Louisville if X guy emerges as the starter? Like I, I hear you saying, yeah. you know, shook and and those things. But what what would be best, I guess, for Louisville if that were to happen? I mean, honestly, the way he's been as far as on social media and been kind of the leader of this recruiting effort that they've had. You know, Pierce Clarkson would be that guy because he's kind of that dynamic, that 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 guy. You know, now I think Tyler Shuck has got NFL potential when he is sure. not injured and when he's out there, and that's what they yeah. see in him. So um, again, I think it'll be Shuck. You know, one of those other guys could make a, a big jump. You know, Harrison Bailey again. He started a few games at I think five games at Tennessee. Um, you know, he was in the fire. Uh, in the SEC against some really good competition, and he fared okay at that time. So, yeah, I, it wouldn't shock me to see any of the three of those guys, um, but I think it will be Shuck moving forward. I think he's the guy that that the Brom brothers really want. Uh, they really wanted him out of the portal. And, again, they could have had some other guys, I think. They had a sure. chance to get some sure. other guys, uh, and, they, and they went all in with him, uh, and they did it early on, and he kind of helped build – you know, I think having him kind of help talk to some other guys as well, kind of help build this class a little bit. Right. Yeah. No, no question about it. Um, all right. A couple more for you and we'll get you out of here. We're very grateful for your time and, and appreciative brother. I want to uh, look at this schedule first and then maybe we go kind of big picture improvements for 24, what you want to see after that. Yeah. Um, a, a couple of crazy road trips here. You're going to yeah. Notre Dame. You're going to Clemson, obviously, up the road to Kentucky, but also going across the country to Stanford. <laughs> and, and and we don't know the timing of this yet. I'm sure that'll come out sooner than later, I hope. I'd, li- I'd love to know that. Um, but when you look at these road trips, man, is, is there one do, that you're excited for? Do you go to all the away games as well? What what do you think of, of this schedule here? I, I do go to all the away games, and I do think that, um, you know, obviously Stanford, I'm excited for that just because we just – Finished. I mean, there's an opportunity. Yeah. You know, who knows what the schedule is going to be, but Austin P and Jacksonville State are the first two games, and they're two home games. Um, I, I said, what, what if you're you're Louisville and you got two trips <laughs> in a row that are to California because you ended the year in California? Right. And there's an the opportunity there. I, I think the biggest thing for me, and I was talking with some guys on the staff. So I guess next year there's two bye weeks for everybody, or at least that's the way it, yeah. it looks like. To to me. It's going to be interesting, not just Louisville, uh, but all the teams that either go to Stanford or California or where Stanford and California come to them and how the ACC, do how they make that work with the bye weeks. Because, I mean, if you send Louisville to Stanford on a Saturday night, you know it's going to be a late night Saturday night game. You know it. You know it's going to be that way. Um, sure. What what does that do for that team the next week? You know, I know yeah. because I know the guys at Cincinnati, they went to BYU this mm-hmm. year and Coach Satterfield's first year there and, and got home at like it was a 10 o'clock Eastern time game. And they got home at like six, seven in the morning. You know what I mean? That's it's not horrible. good. It's the worst. It is. It totally worst. is. So I, I'm more intrigued more than anything about de- about dates and times and all that kind of stuff. I'm more intrigued how the ACC works these bye weeks out and, and, and what yeah. they do, you know? And and then you talk about it like at Notre Dame, at Kentucky, and at Clemson are re- three really tough games for Louisville. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If they can get 
so Notre Dame is like September 28th, I believe, and Kentucky is the last week of the regular season like it always is. If right. they can get Clemson somewhere in the middle of those two where they don't have to have sure. two of those back-to-back, I think it, it really helps. Um, you know, getting Miami at home, I think SMU is going to be that team mm. next year that people think like, uh, this is a pretty good team. I think SMU has done a good job in recruiting and in the portal, and I really think that they're going to be a tough one. But getting SMU and, and Miami at home, uh, obviously they'll want to play Pitt and they'll want to do much better against Pitt next year. I think he'll have them up for that game at home next year. Uh, That's right. They'll be excited. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm intrigued by it. It's going. It's going to be a. It's. It's not the best home schedule. Georgia Tech, Miami, Pittsburgh, and SMU, and then Austin P and Jacksonville State. So it's not like it was, you know, this year. But I still think it's a really good schedule, and it. I think it's manageable for this Louisville team. And some chances for some marquee wins on national yes. TV for sure, and, and you get those opportunities. Okay, Jody, let's let's project. Let's talk about. Um, expectations yeah. for 24, maybe some of these portal guys that you're interested to see, and just what what does Louisville need to improve upon? It's never going to end, by the way. I mean, we're still I, – I mean, <laughs> when we're talking now, there's they have 22 portal Good guys. Grief. And I, I think before it's all said and done, I would think they're closer to 30 than what the, wow. than they are right now, obviously. Um They've redone a lot of position. They've rebuilt a lot of the positions, and I think, to me, that's the thing. In spring camp and, and then in fall camp, how do I'm not worried about the running back room. Um, you know, Maurice Turner was. They lost Garendo, Isaac Garendo, and Juar Jordan, both going to the draft. They both had eligibility left. Maurice Turner has been a really, really solid player for two years. I think he could step into being that. Um, and you, and then you have Kewan Brown, who came in a Murray State game, a true freshman, and ran for 75 yards and looked really good. So they they love him. They've got two four star high school commitments that are that are coming in Duke Watson and Isaac Brown. And then you look at Don Chaney from Miami mm-hmm. and Penny Boone, right. who was the MAC Player of the Year out of Toledo. So I'm not worried about that. Room. That room is fine. You be just fine. That room, you be just that fine. Room's fine. Okay. Um, it's the wide receiver room, and, and look, th- that was a group that, other than Jamari Thrash, I think the coaching staff was disappointed in. I think they were disappointed in the overall production and the way that they did it. You know, the separation that they that at times they couldn't get, uh, the breakaway. You know, they didn't have somebody that could just do it, other than Jamari Thrash, when you needed something. And so they've gone in and they've kind of rebuilt that room uh, as well. And I don't think that's finished. I think they'll bring more in. Um, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks from, from Alabama is a big start. Colin Lacey from South Alabama. Those are two uh, big-name guys and really good guys. Uh, and then there's a kid that they really love, Antonio Meeks, who's from Tuskegee College. Um, and he was one of the best Division II players in the country last year. We've seen those guys translate at times. I know it's a chance, and, and who knows if it's going to really work out. But that's the room to me that if they can get the wide receiver room up to par, to where they want it, um, they're, they're going to be much better. Look, they didn't have – their tight ends this year were not typically what Jeff Brown wants sure. of his tight end position. They went out and got Mark right. Redman from San Diego State, who's been on the Mackey Award watch list for two years. He's going to be uh, a difference maker for them and, and a difference maker for this offense. So, Kelly, I think the thing of it is, like, this offense is going to be different than it was this, this year, next right. year, because of the use of that tight end. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any question, man. I have no worries about the offensive line or running backs, none of that. Uh, but everything you just said, I, I think you need a couple more skill players, and whether that's young guys stepping up or you know in this spring cycle, do you go get some some more guys when that opens back up for the transfer portal? We'll see, Jody. This was so much fun. I appreciate you setting the standard yeah. of what this should be. Uh, Louisville first episode, brother. Thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. No problem. Thank you. Thanks again to Jody for joining us. I mean, his insight, Mac, the fact that he played high school football with Jeff Brom, and now, of course, he's the sideline guy. Didn't know I was getting that. Come God. on. <laughs> yeah, there's really is not someone you can get better Louisville information from than Jody. And, you know, go follow him on Twitter. If you're a Louisville fan, I'm sure you're following him. Again, that's the that's point right. of the ACC under review. <laughs> but, Mac, I, I loved his insight. I think what he said is very interesting that, you know, you start off with 10 wins. So you're setting the bar high. And Satterfield did the same thing, and then it kind of came back to bite him. Of course, you want to win every game you play. but Sure. And, and they did struggle down the stretch. I think injuries were such a huge part of it that probably wasn't talked about as much nationally. But Jody right. gave us the insight there. But they have set the bar high. And so to see what they can do yeah. next year with a relatively manageable home schedule, probably sure. going to be favored in all those home games. But the road games, those are going to be tough, Mac. That is a hell of a road schedule that they have. Yeah, which if you follow us all year long and you know KG's stats and info, also KG's keys and guarantees, uh, not a lot of turf games when Mm, you're on the road. Interesting. So that might be interesting. We'll see. Keep an eye on that. Uh, But in all seriousness, big shout out to Jody. Very grateful for his time uh, and to dive into a little bit of the Cardinals. You're going to want to stick around and keep hanging out with us because we've got the champs. Coming to town, Ira, my guy, uh, for more chant. We're talking FSU on Monday. Cannot wait to dive. There's a lot to dive into, a lot of off the field, a lot of on the field. And where the heck is FSU going Jeez. next? Cannot wait to talk with him because he got it all. Um, he did tell me, though, after the ACC championship, his connection might break up a little bit. Oh, we won't be able to talk about that. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. That's when the season ended. So if we mention excited. the orange we're ball, excited. it'll just go black. Is that's what's going to happen? Go, yeah, it just glitches out. It just <laughs> glitches out. Uh, so anyway, guys, join us for that. We need your help. We need you to go over to YouTube. Continue to ride this train with us. It's been so fun to see the growth. And Seriously. very grateful and appreciative uh, to each and every one of you making that possible. So keep jumping on this train. Uh, subscribe. Leave some comments. Those are a lot of fun, too. You guys are nice to us in there. We appreciate it. And also some fun conversations of, of things that you might not agree with. And, hey, that's what we do. We jump into this party. And, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe as well. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you.